What's good? Welcome, everybody, to the eighth episode of the Casual Fan Podcast, where every day we grow. I am your host, Wilfredo Venegas, extremely sleepy and extremely tired. It is 11 o'clock Eastern right now where I am. I just got done watching the draft, but I'm excited for this episode. Wasn't too excited for the draft, and we're going to talk about it. I, for one, didn't think it was all that. I was. I could have sworn there was going to be a whole bunch of trades, but there weren't. But you know what? This dra- This episode is going to be a fun one because... This is going to be an episode where I'm not depressed talking about the Rockets, even though I should be. Uh, this episode, we're actually going to, to do a draft summary with Ryan Gill. And right after, we are going to talk to Ryland Styles about the Oklahoma City Thunder, the moves that they've made, and Sam Presti and Oklahoma City Thunder future. So right now, I am joined with Ryan Bradley Gill. How you doing, my guy? Uh, I'm in pain right now. I'm sad. Why are you in pain? You're 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 a Dallas fan. You got Luca. Because uh, the pick I wanted to uh, pick got picked one pick before us. I'm upset. We talking about the second round? Second round, yeah. I'm very upset. Bane, you wanted? I wanted Desmond Bane. I wanted him bad. I'm in. I'm in pain. He would have been good though, because he's from TCU, right? Hometown kid. We, yeah, yeah. Sorry, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I like our pick. I liked our pick too. Okay, so before we get into this draft, um, before we start talking a little bit about the summary of the draft, um, there was a lot of noise. I thought that stuff was going to pop off um, in this draft just because there's reports that teams were talking and whatnot. But it's a classic thing that whenever teams say that or whenever there's reports of that, nothing ever happens. So, um, Ryan, as you know, I was kind of bummed out. I was excited for this draft. I was, like, even looking up – like yeah. in mid 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 level picks, I was looking at R.J. Hampton. I was looking at uh, uh, what, what's that dude you told me about, Sadiq. I was looking at I was looking at at so, at at so many players because you know the Rockets had the 16th pick, and I I know I just said that I wouldn't talk about the Rockets, but I kind of have to because for some reason the Rockets traded their 16th pick, and I had nothing to look forward to in the draft. Um, so yeah, so the draft, in my opinion, let's just talk about it how we what we thought about it overall. Uh, I will go first, Ryan, because I'm going to be a, a Debbie Downer here. I thought this draft was extremely boring. And not only was it extremely boring, I think Woj and Shams, as much as I love them to death, they ruined the draft experience because now there's yeah, no, um, there's no, yeah, ins- there's no anticipation. Like it's just, you get the Twitter notification three minutes early and then you still have freaking Adam Silver in the back waiting to open the card or open the, whatever he has. So I thought it was boring. Woj and Champs need to chill a little bit. Woj did chill after after a while, though. I think someone told him something. Yeah, they were skipping like every other, um, because I, I didn't see a few, and then like I got like four things down. They would announce they announced some like the bigger ones, I guess. What did you think of this uh, draft yeah. overall? I mean, I I was pretty excited about it. There was there were some shocking things. Uh, seeing Neesmith, um, I think that's how you say his name, right? He he fell a lot a lot farther than I thought he was going to. Um, is that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Uh, I was really shocked at um, at Patrick Williams being picked at number three. I didn't think that that number was four. going to... Number four. Number, oh, number four. Sorry, yeah. Um, I thought that he was going to go uh, a lot uh, earlier. I mean, a lot later. Um, but overall, I think the the steal of the draft 
is gonna be hold on uh, hold on hold on hold on let's not let's not go there yet let's let's okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, I, just, sorry. I just wanted your overall opinion of the draft you're trying to go into I mean, detail yeah. right now <laughs> yeah i mean it was just it was kind of like predictable at a certain point but at the same time not i was of the same mindset of you that there was going to be all of these trades and and stuff happening i didn't even think that my team was gonna to keep both of their picks um, well there were there they, were trades they were just super minor you know like nothing yeah, that moves very the nothing moves the needle i mean um the pistons got hella picks the pistons got three picks in, in the first 19 so um i wasn't i wasn't super excited about their picks though i i think they didn't do bad i thought i thought that uh what's that kid's name uh killian hayes i feel like he has he has he has some swagger you know if your name is killian you kind of have to have some swagger to you yeah the thing is though <laughs> is if you uh if you look at killian hayes um like what he what he was uh averaging disclaimer uh, i don't keep up with college ball at all ryan knows more about college that's why we're doing it yeah well Kill- i'm pretty sure he played uh, overseas but yeah he averaged oh whatever six five and he only shoots the three-pointer at 29 percent, which is is something you can't you can't really thrive in the nba i mean unless you're russell westbrook regardless um, if your name is killian you have you have to have some resiliency in life that's just a dope name that's a dope name but, I'm, I'm afraid that he's gonna fizzle out kind of like uh uh, Frank Nilakina. I think I see. Maybe, maybe it's because he's from France, but I I thought the Knicks were going to get him. To be honest, I I just I'm not too high on him. But I, on a lot of draft boards, he was top five, top six. So so let's do this, Ryan. Let's talk about the top three, which were the ones that everybody were wanted or uh, or was who who people were excited about, and then let's talk about people who surprised you that went high or people who surprised you that went low. So uh, were you. Obviously, the Timberwolves have been reported to be interested in Anthony Edwards, so I feel like that's not a shocker oh to anybody. Gosh, what happened in the second? The Woes just dropped a bomb. We traded away Seth Curry. Oh, nice! Now it's your turn Dallas, to be. Dallas to be. is acquiring Philadelphia's Josh Richardson and the number thirty-six pick for Seth Curry. That's that's not bad. It's, it's not bad, but I don't think you understand. Like Seth, Seth had some games. Oh no, Seth, Seth. To me, has the purest jumper in the league. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but he, he, he just his jump shot was killer. And Richardson's nice. He, he brings a little more defensively than Seth did. Uh, so, um, I am so mad. Anyway, sorry. No, 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 uh, for sure. He was definitely beloved in doubt. No, I'm glad you brought that up. If anything breaks, yeah, this, this was this was a second his second stint with us, and yeah. After the last I mean, fiasco of my podcast that I had with you, I made it a point not to have my phone on me. So, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got some of my no, no, you, here, no, though, you, no, you can. You, you have your phone on you because I, you, I feel like you can handle it more since your team isn't imploding. But anyways, I, I'm yeah. not going to mention the Rockets. Um, yeah. So Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. He is just an explosive guard. You can get buckets. I don't know how I feel about him. I don't know if he has superstar potential, but I do think he will have at least, at the very least, least his floor is a productive NBA starter. Um, yeah, my th- my thing is though is that he is a he's an athletic freak, but a lot of times if you watch his games, he settles for for jumpers, kind of like ba- early and bad shots and bad, bad shots. shots like like okay. early Bron, like dude, you're a freight train, get to the bucket, you're skilled enough to do it, but he'll settle for jumpers even if he has a mismatch. Uh, uh, but yes, I do I do like him. I think though with the right team, um, and we'll get into that. There was a, a player I thought should have gone higher. And I think that the team he went to is is gonna just kill his his talent. I I personally think uh, the Timberwolves on paper have a little swagger uh, coming up. I'm not saying they'll make the playoffs, but I feel like they'll be at, at least a fun team to watch. You have a happy yeah, cat. At- you have a happy cat. 
you have D'Lo, which I've always been a fan of D'Lo. And now you have at least an X factor of Anthony Edwards. Like what if Anthony Edwards gives you a Jason Tatum production? You know, you you don't know uh, if he comes just hooping. So at least, at least they have a layer of, of being interesting even more now because of Anthony Edwards. I feel like out of the the top three, uh, I I think they made the right choice personally. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's all, it's all drafted off of like what they needed, but I mean, swagger only gets you so far. I remember, uh, I don't remember the year, but when Dante Exum, that draft, everybody was like super high on him. I never liked Dante Exum. (laughs) A lot of people were super high on him, except for you, obviously, because you just know everything. Um, (laughs) But uh, look look where his career is fizzling out, kind of fringe, a fringe player in the league. I'm not saying that he's going to be a bad player. I just didn't see necessarily all the hype. Um, I saw – the, the draft show that was going on, I think it was Jay Williams saying that that he just sees like a lot of good players, but not like a, a standout, like, oh my gosh, you have to draft this guy kind of players. But the draft is just full of solid players. Yeah, I mean, you never know. You never know the surprises that you might get. Uh, Anthony Edwards, definitely yeah. his ceiling is extremely high if he, if he can just get his decision-making on point. Um, the second pick, Ryan, the Warriors pick after the Clay Thompson, that uh, horrible news that... I, I I never I don't I hate the Warriors, but you never want an athlete to go down like that, especially no, yeah. such a talented especially athlete. Clay, like such a good guy too. Like just well, I per, I I personally don't like him, but that's for different reasons. But um, yeah, you just never want someone someone to go down like that. And then it just that you know every report gets worse and worse and worse. They're th- they're thinking it's something with uh, the Achilles. So uh, yeah, we just wish the best for Clay Thompson. I thought that might have had an effect on their pick. But obviously it, it didn't. Uh, I thought that maybe they would have tried to trade it because Clay went. Oh no, no, I don't know. Who knows? I just thought it was going to have an effect. But James yeah, I was, Wiseman, I was wondering where you're going with that. Yeah, James Wiseman's a big. If anything, they should have. They would have gone with the. Well, uh, sorry, so, sorry, sorry. I, I, I uh, lost my train of thought. I, I, I was going to say that to me that personally made them want to keep Andrew Wiggins for a little longer. Just in case yeah, Clay, you. yeah, yeah, I completely fumbled the back. Sorry, I'm, I'm sleepy. Yeah, you, you did. You're good. Um, no, I mean, I, I do like the James, the, the James Wiseman pick because he's something that they lacked, which is a, a big, like my man has a seven six wingspan, which is crazy. He's seven one seven six wingspan. He, with with Steph Curry, it spreads the floor. It just gives him, the, uh, the room to grow. He reminds me a lot of like. Hassan Whiteside, if Hassan Whiteside was good. ESPN actually said that they they uh, compare Wiseman to Hassan Whiteside with a motor. <laughs> yeah, Hassan, it's, it's Hassan Whiteside that looks like he actually wants to play basketball, um, which if, I mean, Hassan Whiteside to me, and this is, a, a, I don't know if it's a controversial statement, but he is um, the big man version of Trey Young. Useless, empty stats. Like he he can put up numbers, but they're not actually contributing much. If you look at the plus, I'm just I'm just gonna gloss right right past that that comment. We're not doing right my take today, but that was you wild. You don't you don't think that's a wild take? So Wiseman, uh, personally, <laughs> no, no 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 hold on a second. You can't you can't just skip over like like I didn't say what I just said. I think, you don't think I, I personally think that's stupid because Trey Young is in his, is is in his second year. Uh, I feel like that's unfair. Yeah, we're we're okay. I'm saying where where they're at now. Obviously, I'm not doing a trajectory of his, I think Trey Young's going to have a huge year this year, but I'm saying that I, I feel like they're similar. Like, yeah, you see these big numbers where he has like a, 
a 16 rebound, five block, and 20 point game. But there's just he's he's still getting like kill. Like he he has a very low motor. It's it's one of those things where if he but wants it, to play, he's gonna play. But if if not, he's just kind of lackadaisical with it. Yeah, but you can't say that about Trey because Trey is actually the opposite. Trey isn't gifted. I was compare. I was talking physically. about stats wise. I wasn't talking about. We'll I see. About we'll, we'll, Trey's we'll a little energizer, buddy. We'll, we'll see because Hassan has been in, in good teams and been an empty calorie guy. Trey hasn't yeah. been in good teams yet, so we'll see. Because I mean, sure. he could he could he's be just an, empty. He's just empty calorie in a bad team. Yeah, so I guess it's uh, unfair. Unfair. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but anyways, James Wiseman, Warriors, great pick. I personally, personally, this is my this is just my my take is I I I'm not a fan of drafting big men anymore in the top five. Um, that might be the new school mentality I have being a Rockets fan, but uh, I, I just personally, but Wiseman Wiseman seems good. He seems like his ceiling is extremely high. Now, the third pick. Uh, before we go into the free-for-all, whatever you thought about the draft, and we pick some winners. Uh, LaMelo Ball to the Hornets. I feel I really like you don't kind care of, about LaMelo. And, and, and honestly, you kind of had to. You know, LaMelo, yeah. now that Anthony Edwards is gone, James Wiseman's gone, he's the biggest attraction. He's the biggest ticket. You know, he, he's going he's gonna to put butts in the seats. Yeah, I mean, the, the only Well, you reason- can't. You can't right now, but when you can. Yeah. The only, the only reason that um, I, I just I just really care because I feel like it's just the name. I feel like there are other players that could have impacted that team better than. No, but but his passing is phenomenal, though, Ryan. His passing his passing is phenomenal, but his passing is phenomenal in Australia. Um, no, no, but we'll, but it's not it's, like it's not like he was it's not like he was playing in college or or even playing in in you know the Euro League. He's playing in, in Australia. But but I think that if you are a gifted passer, that's true. that that that's trans fair. that that translate that translates personally. So I I think the Hornets. I mean, you can't go wrong with that pick. I wish the Hornets would have traded the third pick. But, to the but remember, remember that Lonzo was a transcendent passer, and he sucks. And I called that. But but they were, they were they were they they're transcendent passers in different ways. Alonzo is a transcendent passer when it comes to pushing the ball forward. Outlets, yeah, yeah. Lamelo like Ball is is he his vision and playmaking is 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 different than Lonzo's and and, all, that, and the shot mechanics are a lot different but he's wildly inconsistent on his offensive efficiency for sure. when for, it comes to scoring which in the NBA if you if you're not an offensive threat and I'm saying like a serious threat no one's no one's going to be you know taking your uh yeah doubling but, you or anything taking any open passing lanes but, but yeah but LaMelo Ball is the kind of player that you're not going to go at you're at least not going to go under a screen I mean, well, no, you're, you're, you're not. Yeah, you have to, you're right. You, have, you do have to wait and see. So that's the top three. Honestly, I thought this draft was very boring. I do think that there are players that I want to, I want to just put on the record. I'm glad that we have, that we had this podcast where I have this podcast now, Ryan, because um, a lot of stuff, I say something stuff and we don't have it on the record, but now I can say it on the record and on, on the record, bro. I'm going to tell you right now, the wizards got a gem. The Wizards, who they get? Uh, Denny, oh, the Israeli guy. Yeah, uh, Denny Avdia. Yeah. Uh, no, let me tell you why. Let me tell you. I'm surprised. I'm let me tell surprised. you why. Now we're got. Well, now we're going to the free for all, right? Okay. So Denny Avdia, if you are a pro since 16 years old, I'm sold. I'm sorry, I'm sold. Why? Because of Luca? No, even before Luca, when oh, Ricky, okay. Ricky Rubio to me, like he was yeah. a pro yeah, since yeah, 16 yeah. years old. Like, if you're a pro from 16, you're just used to that lifestyle. That like that basket, like you you eat, breathe everything basketball and i feel like 
he's going to just fit in so great with the Wizards. I feel like they I feel like they got a hooper on their hands. Out of the top nine, I think he might be my favorite. I think he might be my favorite. Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot too. Um, my favorite and the one that I'm disappointed in what team he went to, I, I'm going to butcher his name. Um, Isaac Okoro went to Cleveland. He, uh, the, the black uh, hole, the black hole of Cleveland. Oh, dude. Like I'm, I'm so upset that he went there. I mean, I obviously didn't have a choice, but he's just, he's a really good big, he's six, six, but like my man has a motor. Like he is, he's going to give you everything and he does not he does not have like sticky hands at all this man swings the ball like he he always makes he makes right plays at the big you're not you're not scared of like tossing into him he's just going to take a bad a bad post up he he is phenomenal and he's going to go into a system with colin sexton who won't even pass the ball to kevin love (laughs) um so yeah that's a that's mine i wish he would have gone to a team that would have had better, I guess, like a better system. But uh, unfortunately, he went to Cleveland. I thought that um, I thought that, that would have been a, a better fit in like Atlanta, but they snatched him up. I didn't like the Atlanta pick much. Um, who did Atlanta pick up? Oh, okay, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Onyeka, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot oh, of difficult wow. names. Shout out, to, shout out to foreign basketball players getting, uh, getting some burn. I love it. Yeah. Worldwide. I personally think another another player that as soon as they went through his player summary and they talked about him, I think Precious Achua fits perfect with Miami Heat. Just oh yeah, he, just he hustle, dropped. He hustle dropped far. Just hustle and heart. So I think Miami picking Precious at 20, that's dope. That to me that he just he just feels like a Miami Heat player. You know what I mean? Like he just feels like Miami. Yeah. Like the the yeah. the intensity that they have, so I I hope they keep I hope they hold hold on to them. I feel like that's good. I oh dude, that's one thing I want to talk about before we get into the winners and losers, or, or unless you want something else to to bring up afterwards. How do the Nuggets do this every year? The Nuggets, I don't know. The Nuggets, I they gamble, they gamble, and I feel like yeah. it's gonna I feel like it's gonna work out because I personally, I think R.J. Hampton is dope. Yeah, and they got and they got I, him I mean, and they got and they got him at twenty four. He's just a freak athlete. Like just 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 picture like okay, now if R.J. Hampton gives you at least starter level numbers, at least if if he gives you, to me he has a higher ceiling than Gary Harris. Gary, yeah, Gary Harris, right? Or Neil? Yeah, Gary Harris. Gary Harris, talking about the one that plays for the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah, he has a higher ceiling than Gary Harris. Like R.J. Hampton, like he. If you pair him up with Jamal Murray, I just feel like they just got a steal. And they and it was they did this last time with with uh, Michael Porter Jr. And it's just they they get so lucky. I don't know if it's lucky or they put themselves in that position, but to get players that just drop, they just and they just they just scoop them up. Yeah, Bull Bull, like M- that, MP, that was MPJ, other, yeah. Other steal. MPJ, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, whoever they're praying to, they're praying to the right person. Yes, yeah. they're just yeah, it's annoying. I was right. so mad last year that that we didn't draft Bobo because I was like, I mean, he's there. You you drafted Isaiah yeah. Roby. Yeah, who knows? Who knows gonna be? I, yeah, it's it's dumb. Anyway, continue. Go ahead. Any uh, any other player you want to mention? Because the reason I'm not going through, we're not going through the whole draft. I thought the draft's pretty lackluster. But do you do you have any notable players that you want to? I do want to mention Obi. I thought his uh, his reaction was Top. dope. 
Yeah, yeah Obi his reaction was dope. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what was going on with the 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 delay. It's it was way bigger than than like most, um, you know, distance distance interviews. It was kind of kind of put a sour taste for me for the draft because they were it was like five seconds of just dead silence and they're just like shaking their head <laughs> and all of a sudden they're giving the answer. <laughs> Well, the to me the, the Woj and Shams ruined it for me, so I don't care. So yeah, even De- and, uh, Donovan Mitchell mentioned that he tweeted about that, saying that he doesn't like watching it, and then having it ruined on Twitter. Like yeah, exactly. Before. Tyler told me just oh just get off Twitter. I was like no, bro, that's where I get my my trade reports. Uh, yeah. Any any other player you want to mention? Uh, Patrick Williams went high, but to me, I mean, the fact that he delivered flowers kind of sold me on him. So I'm gonna be cheering for him. <laughs> I uh, I was very surprised, very surprised Tyrese Halliburton fell as far as he did. Yes, he did. And you know what? I did promise Tyler that we would that we would talk about the, the, the Kings for a little bit. Uh I I like him. I like him paired paired up with De'Aaron Fox. I yeah. mean it's it's a it's a good little it's an interesting tandem because they play different. Fox yeah. is more of a slasher, more of a bang bang, and he and then Halliburton is more of a in rhythm, smooth kind of player. So yeah, he's very crafty. Yeah, he's crafty. crafty. That's that's the word. That's the word. So yeah, yeah, they 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 were describing him perfectly. They said like he's very unorthodox. He's not just your like dribble and pray, get your head down and get and get a bucket. And praise God for the uh, the Kings not drafting yet another big man. <laughs> they, <laughs> that's all they draft is big men. So I yeah. I, I think the Kings did well as as well. Halliburton Halliburton I, dropped too. Halliburton dropped far. Yeah. 12. I was okay, so I was surprised. Another surprising thing was how far Desmond Bain dropped. And I mean, I was, uh, I that, was, was ex- that was expect, that was expected, Ryan. You think so? To me, because was, j- j- just because I I told you how I feel about older players, like to me, yeah, I, they, sure, that's fine. But he he was projected early, um, or uh, late teens, and he dropped all the way to the end of the end of the first, right? I believe at thirty. Yeah, thirty. Yeah, last pick. Yeah. And it, I mean, so it's surprising and not surprising because outside of uh, who was the guy, um, the best shooter in the draft, Wilfredo. Oh my gosh! No, they, they didn't let that guy into the because <laughs> he's he's a man of God. Um, no, uh, I forgot who it was. I think it's Devin Vassell. De- Devin Vassell. It wasn't Vassell. I forgot. I'd have to look at my phone. I didn't take the notes on that. But Bain was the second best shooter in the draft. And I thought the Mavs were going to jump on him, but the only thing I think the reason that he ed- he got edged out by um, that Josh Green edged out Sadiq Bay and Desmond Bain is because he's better defensively. He has a lower a lower floor for his his three pointer at thirty six percent, but his defense he's a he can guard one through five. I don't know if you've watched any of Josh Green. No, I haven't. Yeah, haven't. he can he can he can guard one through five and. And I, I guess I should have seen it coming because he's from Australia and the Mavs <laughs> have to have to have an international have to get there. the international players. And uh, I was pretty I was excited about it after after I read up on him a little bit because uh, he was saying how he was asking his agent every like every five minutes like hey are the are the Mavs interested like that's trying dope. to yeah because he's been a he's been a Mavs fan so that's pretty that's pretty cool. Um, well, hopefully it works out for you guys. It must be nice to have good young players on your team. Yeah, dude, I have no idea what's going on with the Rockets because this is this is. Wild. Well, hey, my friends are well. The contributors I work with are telling me that so we should be excited for Jay Sean Tate. He's also a dude from Australia, so we'll see how he goes. But he's undrafted, twenty five from Ohio, I think. So, but anyway, so now let's do real quick to end off the segment, Ryan. Let's do pick a winner and pick a loser. 
I want you to pick a winner first. Why do you have to put me on the spot? Like a team? No, anything. Anything from the show, from the draft, from the players, from teams, anything. Pick one winner. I'll go first. You want me to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Winners, maybe I'm sappy. But honestly, my favorite part of this whole thing, I think the parents, bro. The the winners are the parents. Oh my god! No, bro, did that did that, did that not Gagged touch me? You? Did that not touch you? I mean, some of it, some of it was sad. The I don't know if you saw. I think it was. I no, it wasn't. Why Wiseman had the, the portraits of his uh, uh his mom and, and grandma that passed away. There was one that his brother passed away. It might have been. Oh, uh, I know you're talking about. I know you're talking Anika about. or um or Isaac Okor. I don't know which one it was. But that, bro, that was so sad because he was saying, like, people would ask him about the NBA, and he said that he's learned that nothing is promised. And then, like, the interviewer said, well, a team is promising you now a spot in the NBA. And, like, I was like, dang, that's – No, the, and I, I'm a sucker for the parents' reaction, so I'm really glad that at least they got it. Because, bro, that's years of hard work that, you know, parents do as well to, you know, make yeah. sure that, that they keep their kid on the right path to make sure they have everything they need. So I'm the winners to me, me personally, I'll go for the sappy answer and I'll go for the parents. I mean, yeah, there was the, I, I mean, that's, that's a, a cop-out answer if Thanks, you man. ask me, but um, yeah, there was that one guy that his, he said that his dad's going to go to like all of his games now. I mean, the ones that he can obviously, because he was in the Navy the entire time oh. that he was growing up and that he missed like his childhood. Well, now you can watch your son be a millionaire while hooping. <laughs> Um, I would definitely say the winners, if I'm picking like a team, because I thought that this we were going to do, um, would be uh, the Boston Celtics because of who they drafted with uh, Aaron, Aaron A. Smith. Really? So you, you would have them the number one winner because I told you to pick a winner, the winner. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that. Okay. Well, shot 50, 52% from three-point land. That was the one I was thinking of. Um, and yes, he is 21. But uh, yeah, that's if if they needed something, they needed shooting on that team, and he is definitely gonna he's definitely going to produce. And he's six ten. I mean, his uh, wingspan six ten at six six. So he's no, he's not gonna be a slouch defensively either. Well, okay, I, 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 I didn't expect you to pick one team, but I mean, if you think he's that good, uh, we have it on the record. <laughs> if you had to pick a team, who would you think it would be? If I had to pick a team. A winner. A winner for the draft. Hmm. I would probably say the Nuggets. The Nuggets? Just because yeah. of those sleeper picks? Just because they were able to get RJ Hampton at 24. No one had RJ Hampton going that low. Yeah, no one did. I think he was uh, predicted at like 14. Yeah, he was he was picked like at least middle of the pack or even like like bottom half of of the top ten. So I mean, RJ Hampton at twenty four to me is just phenomenal. So I I, I, I might so be I have, bigger bigger on him than most people, but I have one question for you, um, just to like for an end of the segment question from from your your guest. Who is your rookie of the year candidate? Rookie of the year candidate simply slash slash. Who do you think is going to be the best out of this uh, out of this class in five years? Okay, I'm going to go with the easy answer. Um, okay. I'll give you two answers. I'll give you an easy answer and I'll give you my gut answer. Um, okay. My easy answer would be Anthony Edwards. Okay. Um, and it, uh, I'll see, I'll still go with it. No, 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 no. I'm going with Lamelo. You're going with Lamelo. The I'm, best out of in in the next five years. You think he's going to be the best? 
I don't, but I think you said rookie of the year. I'm because I'm I'm looking at these these high ceiling guys that ended up on bad teams because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna have the ball in their hands mostly. And and that's what the and that's what the rookie of the year is, is what good player ended up in the bad team that get, has the ball a lot, essentially. So I'm I'm gonna say Anthony Edwards or Lamelo, but my gut pick is Killian Hayes from the Pistons. Gosh, why? Because he's Killian, bro. I thought you would have picked uh, the Israeli guy. Yeah, I, I would, but he's also paired up with two John, stars. John Bradley Beal. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams. Okay, I mean, like I said, he delivers flowers, so he has. He's good in my book. Yeah. All right, losers, Ryan. Losers. Give me losers. One loser. <sighs> One loser of the draft. Besides the Rockets. Besides the Rockets. Uh, give me your loser first because you probably have one. Yeah, time. the the NBA fans. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just. Why are you going with all these cop out answers, guy? Well, I just it's my it's my personal winners, my personal losers. Right, okay, 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 go My ahead. personal loser was NBA fans. I thought this draft was really boring. I and I, I they need to figure so they need to talk to Woj and Shams and tell them to chill out. <laughs> Honestly, they, they just need to chill. So that, yeah, the my loser is the NBA fans. <laughs> all my losers of. Tonight are is uh the Milwaukee Bucks for botching the Yikes. trade. Yes, that is hilarious. And honestly, but it, to me, it's more of a Sacramento end. But that's just such a hilarious story. Such a yeah. hilarious story. There were trades, not important enough for me to want to talk about them. Uh, so I will say this: uh, the next segment that you guys are about to hear is with uh, with Ryland Styles, and he is the host of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he was very high on, let me get his name, and I'm going to butcher it, uh, Pavetsky, I believe his name is. Yeah, Alexej Pavetsky, something like that. He he actually was very high on him, and the Thunder traded up to make sure they got him. So, was he the uh, Serbian? I believe so. No. Yeah. Actually, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like it, but... Uh, yeah, but he's, he's a Serbian. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah, he's going to be... He's going to be good. Yeah, Ryland was really excited about him, and OKC was obviously was because they traded up uh, two picks to get him. So yeah, that's that's exciting. So that was the NBA draft summary with Ryan and I. It's kind of we just kind of went in and out of it. We discussed the important parts and the what we thought were notable players. Um, now, next guys, we are going to have a non-rocket segment. We are going to have the uh, the host of the Locked On Thunder podcast rylan styles enjoy that next segment what's going on guys i am with a very special guest one of the first people i messaged when i started my podcast because i knew i wanted to do a podcast on oklahoma city thunder so i decided to hit up rylan styles the host from the locked on okc if you guys haven't heard that podcast or that network network please check it out locked on is such an amazing network and especially the okc one is one of the most one of the ones i listen to the most how are you doing rylan i'm good how are you doing i'm doing well the depends on what day you ask for for a rockets fan you know <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you're doing great though oh i'm doing fantastic as a thunder yeah. fan no i'm sure how long have you been a thunder fan bro well, I actually am from Oklahoma, so as soon as they moved to Oklahoma City, I just jumped aboard. I was a I was a Mavericks fan before that, of course. I mean, just they were the closest NBA team to us, yeah. living in Southwest Oklahoma. Uh, but once we got the Thunder, you got to support the state. I mean, who would have thought we would have ever gotten a basketball team here in Oklahoma? So, so everyone just really rallied around them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I've been to Oklahoma City probably once or twice. 
great city. Um, the team, you know, I love hate relationship, but it's one one thing with the Rockets in Oklahoma City. They're always going to be linked, right? So I'm really glad. Uh, so tell us a little bit of what you, about what you do before we we get into this. Yeah, so I'm the host of Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have every single NBA team, NFL team, uh, most Texas college teams are on there as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, just everyday podcasts. So literally every day you're going to get a new episode. Uh, sometimes multiple times in one day, like today, I got two podcasts out there talking with Isaiah Moss, a Kansas guard uh, who is hoping to get drafted tonight in the cool. NBA draft. So you know, we just do that. And uh, if there's any press conferences with the Thunder, I'm always in there trying to get some updates for, for everybody. And that's pretty much it. That's so dope, bro. And I'm, I'm actually really glad you're able to squeeze in some time for me today because I know with the draft day, you probably uh, have, have a busy, busy time on your hand right now, especially with all the picks that OKC tends to have. So uh, I do want to talk about the, the past before we get into the future. Um, so it's been a little bit over a year since we made the big blockbuster trade. I, still, I have the newspaper article, blockbuster trade, uh, summer blockbuster. And when we traded Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, it's been almost a year Looking back, how do you feel about that trade? You have to feel great if you're a Thunder fan. I mean, you were able to uh, unload Russ's contract for you know four first-round picks, unload Chris Paul's contract for a first-round pick, and, and a small contract in, in Ricky Rubio. Uh, and this is this has all worked out well for Oklahoma City uh, from a year ago, where the where the Thunder were really uh, kind of looking for a direction to go. I mean, you get back Chris Paul, you get back Alinar, you lose. Paul George, a year after he re-signs with you, the first starter really truly re-signed with you outside of Russ. Uh, and then you lose your franchise in the face of your franchise, the guy that you thought was going to be with you forever. And the, and the last player that you thought was ever going to play in the NBA who would never change teams. And now he's working on his third team this offseason <laughs> if he gets traded. So, I mean, it was a whirlwind. But at the end of the day, you have to feel good about what Sam Presti did. How did you how did you feel though when you when you got the notification that you were trading Russell Westbrook? Is it was it something that you already saw kind of coming? Was it something that you saw in the air already? Or is it something that like, whoa, like what? Yeah, I I was surprised uh by the Paul George one more so than the Russell Westbrook one. But but once Paul George was gone, uh, you knew the writing was on the wall for us. I mean, they had just tried so many times uh to build around Russ, you know, after the Kevin Durant departure, you thought Russ was gone then, that he would leave in free agency the next year. Then he re-signs with you. Then the organization goes all in again, and it still fails uh, with Paul George and Carmelo. Uh, so I, you kind of just knew it was time to move on from that chapter. You heard Russell Westbrook wanted out, and and you kind of felt like you just owed Russell Westbrook that. If he truly wants out, he truly wants to go somewhere else, uh, then he's done so much for this organization. You send him where he wants to go in Houston. I was surprised that they got four first-round picks for him. I thought that this uh, was going to be closer to a a one-for-one type thing because I, I didn't really view Chris Paul's contract as poorly as many others did. I get it with the injury history, but Russ has his own injury history and is on a comparable contract. Uh, but obviously they got the four first-round picks, so that's even better. Uh, but I, I think that the biggest surprise was the fact that they went into the season with Chris Paul and he lasted the entire season in Oklahoma City. I'm pretty sure he played more games than Russ last year too. So um, one crazy thing is, is that you said it. If it was a one-for-one, one, we wouldn't be that upset. But the fact that you guys got four picks <laughs> for this trade, looking back now, and it's just how it left at our organization. Like you guys got a steal for for Chris Paul, not not only because of the four picks, but because of what you were able to flip him for. Uh, how was it having Chris Paul for one season? I'm, I I enjoyed him having in Houston. I'm sure you guys enjoyed him a lot there. Yeah, Chris Paul's a very polarizing player, especially if he's not on your team. But mm -hmm. I, I think that 
Oklahoma City was able to rally around him because if you remember his rookie season and his second season was spent in Oklahoma City with the Hornets organization. So yeah. we already had had loved Chris Paul. He had done a ton for this community uh, with Langston University, a historically black college. He had done a ton for them both before being with the Thunder and after. So he was an easy guy to love, especially whenever you saw how he embraced Oklahoma City. From the minute this trade happened, he was working out in Thunder gear. He was he never said he wanted to be traded. Uh, he was just ready to work with Shea and work with these young guys and embrace a team that, quite honest with you, nobody expected to be where they were. Nope. Uh, really people expected him to be a, a ninth seed and for an aging small point guard that was due to regress uh, for him to step up be an all-nba player get some mvp votes and have them uh what would have been a home court advantage in the nba postseason right right around that slot he got to five he could have got to four uh, to, to do all of that without complaining without even hinting at wanting to be out he could have been disgruntled he could have pouted he could have not played for oklahoma city and, and, and forced them to give up assets to move on from him instead he does everything the right way and gets you back another first round pick uh, and some flyer prospects I and mean, that, that what he did in oklahoma city uh, you just cannot thank him enough and, and and to your point of not getting injured he did play 72 games and the one of the games he missed was the tragic day after the kobe bryant death and so i don't count that game against him of course he's going to take that day off yeah. for, for someone who's so close to kobe bryant so he could have played even more games that he never missed a game uh, for oklahoma city Obviously, the, the, the break helps, you know, that long hiatus helps regroup someone's body. Uh, but what he was able to do to stay healthy and, and going vegan and things like that, it just his time in Oklahoma City is going to be looked back on so fondly. And I've struggled to figure out what they could do to truly honor him for that because I, I don't think you can retire a guy's number who played for one season in your organization, not even if you factor in the Hornets aspect of that. But I just hope that there's some way to encapsulate what he did for Oklahoma City that's never forgotten in generations from now because uh, both his excitement to get the – energy levels up here in 2005 in his rookie year for basketball and to prove to the NBA world, we can be a big league city on to year 15, where he just is incredible. Uh, it just can never be forgotten. What, what he's done has been incredible. That's crazy to me. I, I guess, cause this is the first time me talking to someone that, that covers OKC that the fact that you guys want to find a way to kind of honor that see that year, that season tells me a lot about what his character. And I know I enjoyed him here, but I, I didn't know that, that he was, that much beloved and obviously uh you guys had to trade another beloved piece to get him russell westbrook how do you view him now because obviously houston is having a hard time uh shipping him out after he requested to be out um and there's been reports that the markets are extremely slow and the only teams that are really interested in him are the knicks and, and charlotte how do you view russ now that he's not in your organization I think that with Russell Westbrook, I view him the same way that I did whenever he was with the Thunder, a high energy player that was due to regress with his with his athleticism uh, and somebody who I don't know can play on a winning ball team. I mean, he has the mentality to oh, win. Wow. He has the mentality to be a great player, but he's right. His best role is when he's in the role of, that he was in Oklahoma City. But the further you get down his career, can that role with him in it produce wins? I'm just not sure. Uh, and then, you know, he's always injured in the postseason. Uh, he got the injury excuse for Oklahoma City and for Houston. If you're out there, you're healthy enough to play. And I and I admire him for playing through injuries. But it can't always be injuries for a while. You don't perform in the postseason. This year, I give him the pass because of the injury, but also because of COVID. And we're yeah. still not sure how that impacts high-level athletes' bodies. Uh, I mean taking a, a, a virus that could impact his lungs. We don't know if it did or didn't, but could have impacted his lungs for an athlete like that would be a huge detriment to them. So I, I do give him the injury pass this year, uh, but there has been plenty of postseasons you can point to uh, in Oklahoma city that did not work out. I mean, he got punked by Ricky Rubio. He got punked by Damian Lillard. Uh, he mm -hmm. plays outside of himself in the postseason. Uh, he's just 
I don't know if he's a winning player despite having the winning mentality, which is a strange combination. I think for the Rockets, I mean, sadly, you're going to have to do, uh, you know, what what, the, what you do with Chris Paul and, and, and what we do with Chris Paul of, of getting picks back for him and hoping that the next team can recoup some value for him uh, because that's, I think, his next step in his career is going to the right destination, putting your head down, working, getting a good culture, and then proving to the NBA world that you can still play. Because right now, I, I don't think it's in question that he's still a good player, but if you ever notice the conversation around, around him, Russell Westbrook Contract. is everyone's saying that he's a good player. He's a good player, but there's always a, but after he's not bad or he's still a good player, there's always that, but, and then a laundry list of reasons why he is a bad player. You've got to change that narrative. The same with the narrative from Chris Paul a year ago was Oklahoma City's going to have to give up a ton of assets to, to move on from him. They're going to have to give up some of that Paul George trade assets to get to, to move, on, move on from him. Uh, he's injury prone. He's this, he's that, he's that. You're going to have to reinvent your image for, for Russell Westbrook. I, I, the, the saddest part to me is that I thought he could have been the final Dirk Nowitzki, the final Tim Duncan, the final guy like mm -hmm. that to play on one team his whole career. I still think he comes back to Oklahoma City at the end of his career and has an amazing send-off that final year. Uh, and you can never take away what all he accomplished in Oklahoma City. Uh, but at this point in his career, I, I don't know what happens with him. I, I don't know where he goes from here because I never would have thought that the market for him with a, with a weak free agency class, with a weak draft class, would be as barren as it seems right now. Barren. Um, you said something that really I wanted. I wanted to move on, but you said something that I had to double back in because you said that even when he was with you guys, you didn't think that he can play on a winning team. Uh, is that something you even felt when he was with Paul George? Yeah, well, with Paul George, he actually embraced, especially that second year, and that's what allowed Paul George to become third in MVP voting. But, of course, Paul George also got hurt. Uh, but he embraced allowing Paul George to be the main focus of this team, uh, and that helped the team a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of what-ifs in Thunder history. I mean, even going back to the year that Patrick Beverly injured him in the postseason, that was the best Thunder team we've ever seen, and that team did not include James Harden. And that was the best Thunder team we've ever seen, and they never got the chance to, to prove it because Patrick Beverly is a dirty player. Uh, and then – you know, against with Paul George, Andre gets hurt. The the OK three with Melo and Paul George. Andre gets hurt, and at that time you were a top defense in the league. Uh, you were humming in the Western Conference. He gets hurt in January, and your season's never the same again. And then Paul George is an MVP candidate, top three in MVP in MVP voting. Separates both his shoulders are falling out of his sockets as he's yeah. trying to play in the postseason. Uh, so. You can talk about injuries all you want to uh, with, with Russell Westbrook and the players around Russell Westbrook, but. The turnovers, the four shots, uh, you know, the ill-advised shots, what, what he does in the postseason, he has tendencies that do that are not conducive to winning to the point where in the Rockets previews on Locked on Thunder, I'd always say, if Russ is coming back this game, that is more beneficial to Oklahoma City than it is to Houston because Oklahoma, <laughs> City, Oklahoma City was at a huge detriment whenever Russ was not playing in, in that series. So I hope that he's a winning player. I hope he can become a winning player. Uh, but yes, whenever he was in Oklahoma City, I always thought that the ceiling – was higher than a first round exit, but lower than a championship just because of who they were building around. Uh, yeah, I just my only hope, man, is that Charlotte or the Knicks get desperate enough for a, for a career uh, team, a franchise changing player that they're willing to trade Russ for a pick and some expiring contracts. But like you said, I I don't see the Rockets being able to trade Russ without <laughs> enticing another team. Um, hopefully that that's wrong. But so like I mentioned before, I said the Rockets and Oklahoma were always going to be kind of uh, joined at the hip. And that's be, that's largely because of what happened in 2012. And because of what happened in 2012, I always made fun of a specific man, a man who's had a crazy redemption arc, uh, Sam Presti. 
Sam Presti, obviously, uh, his biggest smudge in his in his resume is the James Harden trade. To me, that's going to be the biggest thing that, yes, Sam Presti was great, but the James Harden trade. Sam Presti, the last two, three years, he has been on a rampage. What do you think of Sam right now? Uh, Sam Presti is an amazing GM. I think he's, I think he's one of the best in the sport, the best in the sport, because the argument that I got feedback top five, from, top five for sure. I, whenever I call him the best, you know, executive in the sport, the the argument was the James Harden trade, and it was no championship. And then we ask somebody who's up there, who who's in the running for the for the top GM. They don't give you a clear cut answer, but they throw out guys like Daryl Morey, who made an awful Russell Westbrook trade and does not have a championship. Uh, that he was in charge <laughs> of going. Of course, he was with Boston. To be fair, he was forced. He was forced to the rest. Yeah, yeah th- that's true. But I mean, uh, he he, still he also makes bad trades. All these guys make bad trades. Uh, so one bad trade does not outweigh all that he's done in his career, Sam Presti, uh, and then also not winning a championship. Look, James Harden was a disaster against Miami and was awful in the 2012 finals. He was, he was terrible. After being a, a focal point of your team, one of your top three players was god-awful. And, and then, you know, Russell Westbrook gets hurt against Pat Beverly being a dirty player. Sam Presti cannot control that. He put together that year was the best Thunder team in Thunder history, and we never got to see it through because Patrick Beverly could not stop himself from being a dirty player. And then we move on from that, and – you get the Paul George injury. You get the Andre Robertson injury. He's putting together teams, and he's tried his best to maneuver teams to where at, at this point you build a team. You can't play on the team, though. You can't force Russell Westbrook not to get punked by Ricky Rubio. You can't force Russell Westbrook not to get punked by Damian Lillard. You just – it's out of your control. And, and I'll tell you one other thing in a small market – when Kevin Durant leaves unexpectedly, because the feeling in Oklahoma City was at worst, the worst case scenario is he signs a one plus one, he leaves in free agency, as well as Russell Westbrook, and now you're screwed the next year, but but not initially on the date, because you had Victor Oladipo trade lined up, you had Al Horford committed to Oklahoma City, that team would have been incredible, but Kevin Durant makes the weakest move in NBA history unexpectedly, Thanks. and Thanks. a lot of small markets fold. A lot of small markets fold after that. Oklahoma City could have been Charlotte. They could have been Sacramento. They could have been irrelevant for the next 20 years. For the, for the rest of their organization's history, they could have been irrelevant after Kevin Durant left. But you take one step back, and then you flip Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, who you got for Serge Ibaka, by the way, for Paul George. And then you turn Paul George into your next cornerstone in Shea and a in a abundance of first round picks. What he has done has been remarkable. It's not his fault. They didn't win a championship. Uh, It's really not. He put together championship quality teams that for whatever reason, never got there. Uh, I think that he's the best GM in the sport because he's doing all of this without being able to rely on, on getting a a big signing in free agency or or having the appeal of Oklahoma city. Uh, So I think that he deserves a lot of credit. Maybe he's not the very best, but I would struggle to find an argument for someone else. No, I, I'm on board. Listen, I used to make fun of Sam Presti all the time, but the, the last two years, um, think about it. The OK3, to me, that's that's feels like a decade ago, but that was two years ago. And from that team, he's always been evolving and moving, evolving and moving. And the year they were, they were supposed to be irrelevant, they make the playoffs, which is last year. So it's it, he's actually he's actually gone to my top five, top three GMs as of right now. And he has he flipped. Do you do you do you know the exact details of what he flipped Paul George for? I mean, you, you get Shea, you get Gallo, who you're gonna sign and trade maybe for a flyer prospect, maybe even for a first round pick. Who knows if teams get desperate? And then you, you get like seven first round picks if you include all the pick swaps and things like that. Uh, it, it's incredible what he did. Now, again, the Clippers do that ten times out of ten because you're trading for the right to Kawhi Leonard as well. Uh, but to capitalize on that 
where Paul George, you got to give him credit too, not just Sam Presti. Paul George could have gone to the media. He could have leaked it out. He could have said, I'm only playing in, in LA. I'm only playing for the Clippers. And then this whole thing is just botched because what Sam Presti got to do without, without Paul George making that official statement, he got to leverage Toronto. He had a package where you send both Paul George and Russell Westbrook to Toronto. He got to leverage Toronto. He, he got to do all those things where he can capitalize on his trade value. Uh, and so for that not to leak out from anyone with the Thunder or Paul George was a huge benefit, but to squeeze out all the assets possible because he knew that to get Kawhi, they had to get Paul George. So then Paul George becomes the most important player in the NBA because the conversations around Kawhi a year ago at this time was that he was the best player in the NBA for better or worse. If that was right or wrong, that was the conversations. So if it takes getting a certain player to get you the best player in the NBA, that player is now the most important player in the NBA and you have to pay ups like, like so. And you got a haul for a player who has always been poor in the postseason, who has been injury prone and has been kind of flaking his commitment. So we'll see what happens next off season in free agency. So that was incredible right there. Yeah. After the Harden trade, I, Sam Presti has not lost a trade and, and it's just, he's, he's like the, he's the pick God right now. Cause he also flipped CP three, like you mentioned before for a first round pick and a young ta- talent in Kelly Oubre. So, so I'm glad we were able to give Sam Presti his, his, his props right now. I did want to talk, talk about him, but I also wanted to talk about the future of OKC because you mentioned all the picks you have and the young players uh, before we even talk about the future, you got to help me out. How in the world do you say this head coach's name? Mark Dagnon. Say it, say it one more time. Mark what? Mark, Mark, Dagnot. All right, I'm just gonna call him Coach Mark. <laughs> I call him Mark D. I, I can't say it fast. I, I've got to say it and really pronounce it, really pronunciate it. So I just call him Mark or Mark D. So well, you're, you're right there with us. Yeah, I, I was talking to my friend that he's a huge <laughs> Oklahoma City fan, and he was like, "Yeah, Coach Mark." I was like, "Who's Coach Mark?" Oh, the Oklahoma City. I think everybody's gonna know him as Coach Mark. What <laughs> what do you, what do you think of him? Because to me, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean. I I call him Billy Donovan 2.0 because Sam Presti fell in love with this guy when he was 26 years old. And and that's what gives me the most encouragement is that whenever a basketball mind like Sam Presti picks you out at age 26, Mm. I mean, you must be pretty impressive. Uh, And and then he he ends up recruiting Mark to join the the coaching staff for the G League team and be the head coach of the G League team for Oklahoma City at age like 29 so he was the G League coach there, had an above 500 record, had a really good record there, got them to the postseason three or four years, if that matters to you at all. And then he joins Billy Donovan's staff. He came over from Florida University, same as Billy Donovan. He has really worked hand in hand with Billy Donovan. And so he's he's more mature than his age says. And he's been around these, these guys like Jim Calhoun, even he was at, he was at the University of Connecticut before this as well. So he's worked under some really good head coaches. He's the first coach in NBA history to go from the same G League organization to their NBA organization as the head coach because Nick Nurse was a G League head coach, but he did not. He was not the head coach of the uh, Raptors 405. He was a head coach of a different G League team, so he did not go from the organization to the organization. So I am encouraged by this hire. By all accounts, he is a player-first guy. He is a he is an incredible player development coach, and the players really have responded well to this hire. So I'm encouraged. The only negative that you can think of is – if he's not good, because if he's not good, here's a guy that Sam Presti handpicked at the age of 26. I think Sam Presti already gives coaches a really long leash, and he prides himself on the fact that today in 2020, he's only making his fourth coaching hire in Thunder history. He prides that fact. I think that mix that with, he's already going to give you a long leash, but mix that with the fact that he picked out Mark at age 26. I think Mark has just incredible 
room to roam and room to grow and mature. That can be a really good thing. If he turns into Nick Nurse, it can be a really bad thing. If he turns into a bad NBA head coach, I think that he's going to turn into somewhere in the middle uh, to where it'll be no harm, no foul. But Sam Presti is going to give this guy every opportunity to show that he is the actual head coach of the future. I don't think this is a stopgap hire. I think that this is who Sam Presti wants to be the head coach the next time Oklahoma City's in the postseason. Well, you called him Billy Donovan 2.0. And correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people were soured on Billy Donovan and questioned his coaching. Were you a fan of Billy D? Yeah, Billy Donovan is a heck of a coach for 82 games. And in the postseason, as you've got a front row seat too, he does not change very much because I mean, look at look what happened in that Oklahoma City series whenever Darius Baisley played the center position versus whenever Steven Adams was the center. I mean, small changes like that, Donovan will not make. But I think that Mark is more like Donovan in the sense of the offense, because okay. this year you finally got to see Donovan's offense on full display. There was only so much you could do. And I think that that's the biggest detriment to the reputation around Donovan uh, is the fact that we only got to see his NBA offense for one season. There is no offense whenever you have Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook that offense yeah. is the two guys passing back and forth and your turn, my turn. And then you add Carmelo to that. And then you have, you, you know, you go from having Katie and Russ, same thing, ISO ball, only Russ, which is just only going to be Russ, and then Russ with Paul George, which is going to be your turn, my turn again. This past season was the only time he had a guy uh, and a team that would buy into his system. It was a free-flowing offense, a motion offense that he ran in Florida and won back-to-back national championships at Florida with. So he's going to he's going to thrive in Chicago. Once you get to the minutia of a playoff series and you're playing the same team seven games in a row and you fail to adjust like he has, that's where the frustration grows for you. And that's where it grew for the Thunder fan base. Uh, but yeah, I think that Mark is going to have the same similar schematics and we'll see what he does with the rotation. The rotation and the failure to adjust that rotation in the postseason was the big problem with Donovan. Not anything he did schematically, which I think is a good thing for Mark, but he just has to be able to mix and match the right way. Needless to say, it's it's you found your coach for the foreseeable future. Like you said, um, Sam Presley loves loves the guy. I didn't know that, but uh, but yeah, so you found your coach for the foreseeable future. And not only do you have a, a future coach, but you have some essential building blocks for your future. You have SGA, Lou Dort, and now you have Kelly Oubre. Do you think this is a core that can potentially grow into something special or just kind of a, a pit stop? You know, I think that the that the three you have right now is actually Shea, Dort, and Baisley because I think that – You're high on Thunder, Baisley then. Yeah, I'm really high on Baisley. I mean, look what he did in the bubble too. Yeah. I know it's a small sample size. but No, and he killed us in the playoffs. Back three, yeah, I mean, adding that step back three and, and in the playoffs against Houston, getting to play that small ball five where he's able to get the rebound and really display his elite trait because what got Baisley drafted in the first round – was the fact that he is an elite playmaker, and he didn't get to show that whenever you're playing with three guards. Yeah, you, you, you kind of so you can do. You kind of shocked me right now that, that Baisley's an elite playmaker. Uh, th- that's his elite trait heading into heading into his rookie season. But when you're on the floor at three guards playing the four position, that becomes a lot harder to do whenever Chris Paul has to be the playmaker, and then you want Shea to be the playmaker, and and then you you go on down the list. Even Lou Dort has a point guard background, uh, to where that kind of got lost in the shuffle until he got to play center, and until he got to grab rebounds and go coast to coast with ease. And so that mixed with the step back three he added in the hiatus uh, in his three point shooting ceiling, uh, he's going to be a part of the score. I think that with Kelly Oubre. You have to pay him after this season. So uh, Oklahoma City has that capability. They have a very clean cap sheet next offseason. Uh, but 
Do you really want to invest and lock him into the core? Or do you think he has more value tonight at the draft to maybe flip him for a high 20 mid-teens pick? Or do you think he has more value at, at the trade deadline to trade him there uh, versus paying him and, and seeing if he'll stick around in Oklahoma City? Yeah, Kelly's an interesting guy because I was my I was excited that you guys got him because he's he's young. But he's also in a weird position that contenders could also be interested in him. So he's he's definitely. Uh, so do you foresee him in an Oklahoma City jersey, or do you do you think that he's he's a pit stop guy, or you just would toss up? I, I think that he's an a unique position because he's he's on the borderline, right? You can you can squeeze him into this timeline, and you can squeeze him into this core, or you can say he's a fringe guy uh, in terms of. How old is he going to be whenever we want to win again? If you want to take two years, you're going to take three years to win again. Uh, and then how much more will he have left in him at that point? Because the starting point for him being good in Oklahoma City is not this year. The starting point is probably 2023, 2024, when you start to turn the corner and say, okay, now we want to be that fun young team that the, that the Grizzlies are, that the Pelicans are. And that's just the beginning. Then you got to take the next step in the postseason. And, and the further away we get from 2020, the further Ubre's value has to stretch. Can it stretch that far? I don't think that mm. it really can. I don't think that I don't think that you're going to be able to, to have him a part of this initial group. And so I think that his value becomes a first round pick eventually, whether that's tonight or if that's at the deadline. But I think eventually from a contending team, because there's literally 10 playoff spots up for grabs this year in each conference with the playing tournament automatically happening, no matter what the game back situation is. If you remember in the bubble, the East did not have a play play in game and, and the West barely did. So there's a possibility for 10 teams to play in the play-in game, and it's going to happen as long as you just get to 10. So teams are going to see that as a as a avenue to get to the postseason. So I think that there's going to be way more buyers there are this year than sellers. And so his value continues to rise, and, and teams then will talk themselves into him being a part of their future. But I think for Oklahoma City, uh, eventually he'll be traded. Okay. Um, but you have a player that I'm confused on, and I don't – what do you think of SGA? Do you see him as the cornerstone of your franchise or as a number two? I think that he's at worst a number two, which is a really good thing. If, because if, I think if that's your at worst, then that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that at worst he's your number two because I, I've just seen it with him. I mean, going back to the Clippers playoff series with the, with the uh, Warriors, uh, what he did in the face of – the big three in Golden State in the face of Oracle Arena, this mystique, magical place. Uh, in the face of all that, he played really well as a rookie for Doc Rivers, of all people. Uh, so I think that that's very encouraging. The bubble was not encouraging at all. He did not. He only had one good game in the bubble, was really hesitant against Houston, was really scared and nervous. Maybe there was an injury there. Who knows? He looked uh, it, too. Yeah, he, he looked very scared and hesitant. That's kind of discouraging, but... Again, I still think he has that potential. He's the leading scorer this year on the team. I, I think he can be your number two option once you draft Cade Cunningham in 2021. Uh, whatever happens with these Rockets picks, if you guys tank and don't get a top four <laughs> pick, and, and then, the, then the Thunder get one and five, holy moly. Uh, I mean, there's a lot that can still happen here. You're set. Uh, to where, uh, yeah, I think that you're really set with Shea. And, and I think that he is a part of this core. At, at worst, number two, I mean, Cade and Shea, and then one more piece, plus Baisley and Dort. It's a heck of a team. Yeah, Dort earned himself a paycheck this last playoff, so I hope he does stay in the Oklahoma City jersey. I, I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed his heart just having a horrible game from three and the next day just scoring 30-plus, so so I, I really respect him. But I don't want to take too much of your time. I do have one more question for you, though, because as you know and as everybody listening to this, the, at the point where, at the time we're recording this, it is draft night. Uh, the draft is in about four hours. Um, 
What do you see Oklahoma City doing? You guys have late picks this year. You have 25 and 28. Do you do you see yourself staying? Do you see yourself as buyers to move up? What what do you see Oklahoma City doing tonight? You know, I think everything right now, it's Sam Presley's a smoke screen. He never lets the cat out of the bag. I mean, this guy probably knew he was going to hire Mark D the second that he parted away with Billy Donovan, <laughs> but waits until like a week before the draft to officially make the announcement. And, and and quarantines Will Weaver, who's now on the Rockets staff, as a smoke screen itself. It seemed like quarantine in Oklahoma City. So uh, I'm not sure. It, there's a lot of smoke around Pukovicki, which – you know, if you get him at 25, I'm fine with. If you trade future assets for him, uh, then I'm way, way out on that. I think that Pukovici has way more bust potential than boom potential. Uh, but there's also some smoke around trading up for the mellow ball. So that's also in crazy, like crazy I w- to me. I was going to ask you that. Would you be okay trading SGA for a chance to move up for Lamo? SGA, no, I would not trade SGA for the middle. I think that SGA is a much safer pick because with him, I look at Shea as your at worst number two. I look at Lamelo as at worst a bust in the NBA. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not trading Shea. That for ceiling, that, that ceiling can, is so enticing though. That ceiling is so enticing. I mean, yeah, a heck of a playmaker and and maybe a good three point shooter, maybe not. I mean, that's his ceiling, and is that much better than Shea? Who, to me, because to me, Shea's not really a special passer. Like Lamelo, the the yeah. passing that Lamelo can do. But like, I agree with you. I would say I would say with SGA. But this tonight's definitely going to be fun. I, and I hope I hope that Charlotte caves and gives the Rockets something or New York because I, I would really like. You know, I've ne- I've never experienced the Rockets high draft pick. The highest draft pick that I've ever experienced is number sixteen. So I've never experienced the Rockets high draft pick. So tonight's definitely going to be fun. Uh, any surprises you expect for tonight? <laughs> any 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 hot takes? You know, tonight, I, I do expect there to be some out there trade, whether that's the Celtics moving up really high in the draft or something. There's just been so much, and I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter, so many media members are dropping hints of like, oh, you guys are going to be in store for a crazy night. Uh, Woj saying yep. on ESPN, it's going to be a crazy draft. Teams are looking to trade up and and, and all around. And normally and when they say so, that, nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, normally that's true, but there's just so many possibilities what if james Harden is traded tonight we don't know this is the, this is when this is when magic happens and, and so we'll see what happens i, I you know I, I just think that the the lamello ball thing if you can trade up with while keeping shea and keeping your own picks keeping the ones that oklahoma city is in control of i'm fine with trading the ones that they're not in control of because you just never know what can happen with those uh, but if you can keep shea and keep your controllable picks why not swing at lamello I mean, why what, not so what would, I, what would memphis want from y'all though if not sga I think that Not Minnesota's Memphis, sorry, of, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that Minnesota's kind of locked in on on Anthony Edwards, and, and so that that's been the latest report that they're locked into. If they can't find a trade partner, then you get Anthony Edwards for Golden State at two. This would be a big drop in their draft, but could you package 25, 28, a future first from somebody else, uh, Kelly Oubre, and if they want to take on Rick Rubio, sure, and flip those guys to to Golden State for two and Wiggins' contract. You take all of Wiggins' contract, uh, help out them with that with that situation there. But even then, I think that this is why the the, the rumors of Oklahoma City trading up. I just didn't see a pathway for that. Whenever you didn't get Phoenix's tenth pick, because trading up from twenty five to two or one that's is incredibly deep. hard. Yeah. I mean, that's that's incredibly hard. So. I just don't see it happening, but maybe if they're just so hell-bent on moving Wiggins' contract, you can do it. But even with Wiggins, yes, it's a big number, but if he can go to Golden State and play that Harrison Barnes role, I mean, good Lord, that offense is back to being amazing. (laughs) Yeah, tonight's going to be exciting. And, 
you know what? Your team's future is also exciting. My friend was laughing with me because he was like, finally, our, our two teams are going to be rebuilding together. But you guys have a humongous head start. Thank you so much for joining me, Ryland. Do you have anything you want to plug real quick? I mean, you can, you can subscribe to the Locked on Thunder podcast wherever it is you get your podcast from. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you so much, man. Thank you guys for joining me for episode eight of the Casual Fan Podcast, where every day we grow. I'm sorry if I sounded groggy or sleepy or tired, and because I am, I am very tired. I'm very sleepy. It is 11:34 now, my time. But I am glad you guys were able to enjoy uh, the episode, and I'm glad you guys enjoyed last episode. Episode two, you guys really enjoyed uh, that slice of life segment. So if you guys have any ideas of like uh, other segments that you'd like to hear, hit me up. Um, yeah, I would like I would like to have at least one slice of life slice of life segment per per episode so we could have a top five we could have other stuff hey we can even talk recipes because your boy is a chef in the kitchen but anyways thank you so much for joining us remember we this is the casual fan podcast where every day we grow we post every tuesday and thursday i have been your host wilfredo venegas follow me on twitter at we venegas and follow me at the casual fan po1 uh yeah bye be easy